0: Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I am the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hi friends, and welcome back to Life on Word. Today we are looking at Matthew chapter 10, which is the second of Jesus' discourses recorded in Matthew's Gospel. In the last episode, we covered several events where Jesus miraculously healed many people with varying afflictions and had compassion on the people of Israel. Opposition to Jesus' ministry continues to pick up as the Pharisees accuse Jesus of being from Satan. Chapter 10 starts with Jesus preparing to send out His disciples on their own missions where they will be representatives of Jesus' name and mission. This is a great chapter that has important historical significance for the twelve apostles and for all disciples and missionaries of Jesus in all times. With that, we'll get started, and as always, I'll read the passage, and then we will break it down. And he called to him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff. For the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles." But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water Because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Remember that in the last episode, chapter 9 concluded with Jesus' metaphor about the harvest being ripe and in need of harvesters, referring to the people of Israel being eager to see God move. Chapter 10 now shows how Jesus plans to meet the spiritual needs of the people of Israel through the works of his disciples. At this point, Jesus' mission is well established. He has proclaimed his central message that the kingdom is here. He has gathered his first disciples and taught principles of discipleship. He has demonstrated his authority and power over sickness, evil, and nature. Now, Jesus' focus turns toward sending his disciples to proclaim his same message. All that the twelve will accomplish is because of the authority and power they have received from Jesus. Their mission validates Jesus' claim that the kingdom of heaven is here and that people should respond to his messianic proclamation. But their mission also continues the great push back against the powers of Satan and evil on this earth. The disciples were to go about healing and restoring, bringing life and hope to others. Before detailing the instructions Jesus gave the disciples, Matthew records the names of the twelve. The number twelve carries deep significance, tracing back to the twelve sons of Jacob, who became the foundation of the twelve tribes of Israel. The twelve disciples symbolize the continuity between God's work in the Old Testament and the present moment as they are sent to announce the arrival of the kingdom to the lost sheep of Israel. But they are not merely symbols of God's restorative plan for Israel. They were meant to be part of the means by which God brings about this restoration. They were taking on an active role in God's big story. Matthew's list of the twelve is one of only four places in the New Testament that records who they were. Within the group, there was plenty of diversity, to say the least. They come from different walks of life, reflecting various professions, backgrounds, and even political ideologies. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were successful fishermen. Matthew was a hated tax collector, and Simon was part of the zealous group that was willing to die to try to liberate Israel. It seems that outside of their connection to Jesus, these men probably would not have chosen one another's company on their own. Another interesting thing to note about this passage is that Matthew calls them the twelve apostles in verse 2. The word apostle isn't used very often in the Gospels, so it's important to define this term. A disciple is not the same thing as an apostle. A disciple is one who believes in Jesus and follows him. But the narrow meaning of apostle used here means one who has been commissioned by Jesus personally to be his representative. While there can be a broader meaning of apostle that merely means one who is sent, this usage is the more narrow, specific meaning. These men were to be foundational in the future of the church. Further, and get ready, this is potentially a controversial take on this, but to me it seems that evidence points to the office of apostle being only for these men, with the exception of Paul, meaning that there are no longer apostles today. Verse 5 is the beginning of the second long discourse of Jesus that we find in Matthew. It is divided into three sections. Missionary instructions for the immediate context of the disciples, a preview of the role as missionaries in the future, and principles of discipleship and missions for disciples of all times. Jesus begins by directing the Twelve not to extend their ministry to Gentiles, limiting their focus to the lost sheep of Israel. The reference to lost sheep encompasses the entirety of Israel. The Jewish people need to hear Jesus' message and repent before it is too late. By instructing the disciples to only go to the people of Israel at this time, Jesus is staying faithful to the salvation historical order established by God in the Old Testament. This approach demonstrates the faithfulness of God's covenant promises, the continuity of His divine purposes, and His intricate plan for Israel. Further, if Jesus had immediately gone to the Gentiles, the Jews would have been so turned off by this that they wouldn't have given Jesus' message a second thought. Jesus here is showing first who he is and what his message is in relation to the story of Israel and their covenant with God. From this point forward, the people of Israel will be responsible for the choice they make. Jesus has come and revealed himself to them, and they must make a decision. Nearing the end of this section, Jesus instructs his disciples to take very little on their journey and to not accept money as they minister. Here, Jesus emphasizes the principle of relying on God and the generosity of those who receive their message. He then tells them to search for a worthy person and to shake off the dust from their feet when someone rejects their message. Both of these statements are significant. A worthy person pertains to anyone who responds positively to the message of the kingdom through Jesus. When the message is rejected, the symbolic act of shaking off dust echoes a common Jewish practice when Jews would leave Gentile territory. This was a way to get any uncleanness, so to speak, off of themselves. Here, the action of the disciples serves as a sign of judgment for rejecting Jesus' message. It encapsulates the idea that those who refuse the message face the consequences of their choice. Verse 16 begins Jesus' instructions for the long-term missions the disciples will go on, reaching both the Jews and the Gentiles. To put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples at this point, think about what they've seen as they follow Jesus. The crowds have mostly been amazed at Jesus' power, but now the religious establishment is starting to oppose Jesus. In this section, Jesus gives his disciples a fuller sense of what they should expect on these missions, and it's not all good. Jesus knew that they would face great opposition. His message was revolutionary, which meant that it was also dangerous. We also see in verse 16 a reversal in the sheep metaphor. Previously, the people of Israel were depicted as sheep, while the disciples were the shepherds. However, now Jesus casts the disciples as sheep among wolves, signaling a change in subject. Jesus transitions from their immediate mission to the Jews to the challenges they will face during their long-term mission. Here are some textual clues that lead us to that conclusion. 1. Jesus shifts from using present tense verbs to future tense, indicating a future timeline. Two, he mentions ministering to Gentiles, which was not an option in their short-term mission. Three, Jesus prepares the disciples for intense persecution, which they did not encounter during Jesus' earthly ministry. Now, continuing the theme of discernment that we saw a few chapters ago, Jesus exhorts the disciples to be discerning as they proclaim the gospel. The disciples are to be both wise and innocent. And this entails navigating the complexities of their ministry with shrewdness and sensitivity while maintaining the purity and the authenticity of their message. Jesus then explains the suffering that the disciples will face. The disciples bear the privilege and burden of carrying Jesus' name. While this honor aligns them with Jesus, it also exposes them to the hatred that is directed at him. As a result, they will experience suffering and persecution due to their association with Jesus and His message. Followers of Jesus may even find themselves pitted against their families when their loved ones do not see the validity of Jesus' identity and message. His statement, He who stands firm to the end will be saved, signifies not physical rescue from death, but spiritual salvation. This salvation includes experiencing the blessings and peace of the kingdom. True disciples will persevere through adversity and trials because the Holy Spirit will give them what they need to endure. At the end of this section, Jesus makes the statement, For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Scholars have heavily debated what Jesus means by this. While some say that Jesus is referring to the Son of Man judging Jerusalem and it being destroyed in AD 70, other scholars believe Jesus is referring to his second return at the end of the age. What all agree on, though, is that the disciples should be diligent in spreading Jesus' name and message in spite of persecution, hardship, and family alienation, and should be faithful until the end. Starting in verse 24, we find Jesus teaching about characteristics of discipleship that apply to disciples and missionaries of all times. He emphasizes the concept of disciples becoming like their master. Jesus explains that discipleship entails not only emulating his teachings, but also sharing in his experiences, including persecution and rejection. This reality underscores the seriousness of their commitment and the cost of following Him. But Jesus then provides three reasons for His disciples not to fear as they bear His name and mission. First, because the truth will be revealed. The hidden aspects of Jesus' ministry and identity will be brought to light. The world will witness the reality of Jesus as the true King and Messiah, vindicating the disciples who remained loyal and faithful to Him. Second, because the disciples' eternal destiny is secure. Jesus assures his followers of their eternal security. This assurance empowers them to face persecution with courage, knowing that no matter what the challenges they face on earth are, they possess the confident hope of eternal life in the kingdom. While the powers of Rome ruling over them may can kill the body, they cannot kill the soul. Third, disciples should not fear because the Father relentlessly cares for them. By using the example of sparrows, Jesus illustrates God's sovereign supervision over every detail of life. If God cares for the smallest and seemingly insignificant creatures, His care for those who carry His name and message is unquestionable. This reassurance dispels fear in the face of persecution, as God remains fully aware and in control. When disciples are surrounded by temptations and danger, they can rest in knowing that God knows and cares about their circumstances and is stronger than any opponent they'll ever meet. Returning to the theme of family relations, Jesus acknowledges that allegiance to him can create division even within families. The metaphor of a sword symbolizes the divisive effect of following Jesus, sometimes causing a separation between those who believe and those who don't. This teaching underscores the priority of allegiance to Jesus above all other relationships and commitments. In verse 36, Jesus alludes to Micah 7-6, referencing a prophecy that foretells division during times of God's renewal. This points to the transformative nature of Jesus' mission, often unsettling the status quo. Discipleship to Jesus is meant to be the most important thing that one centers their life around. The call to take up one's cross signifies embracing God's will for one's life, similar to how the cross represented the Father's will for Jesus' life. This radical commitment illustrates that discipleship means aligning one's life with the divine purpose, no matter the cost. Jesus concludes by reiterating the authority with which his disciples go forth, bearing his name and his message. He emphasizes mutual care among disciples, especially for the vulnerable and the needy. This underscores the communal aspect of discipleship and demonstrates that following Jesus goes beyond individual commitment. It involves caring for one another within the community. This concludes chapter 10, so we will now wrap up and look at a couple of takeaways from what we've read. Since this has been a big point of application in the last several episodes, I want to only briefly touch on the issue of our priorities as believers. Much of Jesus' mission discourse emphasizes that a disciple's first allegiance should be to Jesus above anything else. Though the picture of Christianity in the West today may look differently, Scripture paints a clear picture that following the way of Jesus means being all in. It only takes just one sold-out person to do great things for the kingdom here on earth. Imagine how much greater the reach would be if we had whole churches living out their missions as Jesus instructs in this chapter. All disciples who follow Jesus are also called to be missionaries. Now this doesn't mean that everyone has to leave their day job and go to a far off land to reach the lost, but what it does mean is that all are called to be open and receptive to using the resources they've been given to evangelize, spread the name of Jesus, and further his kingdom. But in order to do this effectively, we must know the scriptures and God in a real way. We must be committed to growing as disciples, always seeking to know and love him and his word more and more. I believe that as we learn more about what the Bible says, we fall deeper in love with our creator and sustainer. Another point of application to note is that as disciples, we are called to be discerning, being wise as serpents and innocent as doves, as Jesus said. As we live in this fallen world, it is not helpful to be naive to the evil that is within. Our hearts are vulnerable to temptations, spiritual attacks, and hurt. Therefore, we must guard our hearts and prepare ourselves for the attacks of the devil sent our way. But we should never get to the place where we are so protective of ourselves seeking comfort and safety that we neglect to carry the message of Jesus into the world. Jesus promised that carrying his message would bring difficulty and often persecution. But disciples are called to endure knowing that God will be with us in tangible ways. Today we looked at Matthew chapter 10, where we read Jesus' instructions to His disciples as they went out to proclaim His name and power. Jesus addressed His disciples both for their short-term mission that was to be directed only to the Jews, and for the longer-term mission until the end of time, witnessing to both Jews and Gentiles. Jesus concluded this discourse by highlighting characteristics of missionary disciples. In the next chapter, we will read of Jesus' interactions with John the Baptist while John was in prison. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a review. The mission at Life on Word is to encourage others to love God and Scripture more, so we would love your help in furthering this mission. Check out baileylbrown.com for show notes and Life on Word resources.